We're going to continue in our series called The Summer of Psalms. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm loving it. We thank Mandy, shared from Psalm 139, how God is with us. We can never flee from his presence. Andrew, last week, he shared from Psalm 3. It was a good word. Thank you, Andrew. And today, I'm going to share from a psalm that you've probably heard a thousand and one times. It's Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and it's going to come up all in one go. And we're going to read it. Can you see it? It's a little bit small. Okay, if you can't see it, I suggest come forward. <laughs> it's a little bit small. It's, I wanted it all on one screen at the same time, and it's going to stay up there. Dilly, if you want to come, come forward, it's, it's okay. Anybody who's struggling to see that, I don't blame you. But we're going to read it. Psalm 23. Shall we read it together? I think it's a good idea. Let's do, this, let's do it together. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Whoa, you're sounding good. Church, you're brilliant. Isn't it a fantastic scripture? Isn't it brilliant? I tell you what, put up your hand if you've never heard any of these words before. I think everybody must have heard these words at some point. Hey, it's, it's probably, I can't prove this, but it, in my opinion, it's, um, um, it's probably the most well-known and the most sort of repeated, um, quoted psalm by believers and unbelievers. You know, it's amazing how many people actually know the psalm. And so just a little bit of background to this. This was written by King David in his later years when he was a king. And, um, and we know a little bit about David, that he was the youngest of eight sons. And, um, and as a result of that, he'd grown up as a shepherd boy, young, uh, David, as a, as a young boy. He, he grew up as a shepherd boy. And Psalm 23 is an analogy of God as the shepherd and us as his sheep. And all God's people said, Bear. Okay, Bear. We are his sheep. And throughout the Bible, there are many references to, to there are many words that describe the church. And I'm, my message today is full of alliteration. And I said to Chris, I think I'm going to have a, we're going to do a test. Just kidding, we're not really, but I'd love to do a test just to see how alliterations work. But there's three, there are multiple words for the word church, but the church is also known as a family. Family. 
family, as a fellowship, but also as a flock. The three Fs. We're known as a family, a fellowship, and a flock. Listen to what Psalm 100 verse 3 says. It says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We are the sheep of His pasture. And now we're going to just look at a couple of characteristics of sheep. Okay, just in case you weren't aware of this, but a couple of characteristics is, number one, sheep are unable to take care of themselves. Sheep cannot be trained. When I was growing up, I went to a couple of circuses. I never saw a sheep acted trained sheep in the circus. Maybe it has happened historically, but I don't think generally sheep can be trained. They're defenseless. They have no claws. Um, they don't bite. They, they don't have a, a skin, you know, like, a, like, a, like a, um, an alligator or a crocodile or some hard skin like that with a thrashing tail. Um, they don't they don't even spray with poison. They, they're pretty, they're pretty hard, you know, they're pretty defenseless. And they're dirty. This is encouraging, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> and they're dirty. You know what? Cats can clean themselves. You know, they sit there and they lick themselves. Dogs lick themselves, apparently. Or you can bath the dog, at least, and they enjoy the bath. Birds, you know, if you've got a bird bath, in fact, I watched it a little bird popping into our little water feature this morning. It was so cute. I said, like, Lord, look, look, the little bird's having a bath. But even birds, wild birds, clean themselves. They see water, they go for a swim. But once a sheep is dirty, it stays like that. It just stays dirty. And, you know, from a distance, whenever I see fields of sheep, my heart just goes, beats faster. I just love sheep, actually. And whenever I see them, I think, oh, they look so cute and so fluffy, and it looks like they're down, you know, they're, they're, their wool is so soft and sweet. But you know what? You get to them a little bit closer, and you find out they're pretty dumb. They always have one eye looking that way and the other eye looking that way, and they stink. They stink. So in a nutshell, sheep are dumb, dirty, and defenseless. These Dumb, dirty, and defenseless. This is what we're like without Jesus. We're pretty dumb. <laughs> we're pretty dirty. But Jesus washes us, and we're pretty defenseless. He protects us. But this is why we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. And the job of the shepherd is to lead, guide, feed, protect the sheep. And so David says here, the Lord is my shepherd. And David is drawing on his memory when he was growing up, when he was a shepherd boy, when he was a shepherd. And he recognizes and declares that God is the shepherd, that God is the shepherd, and that he, David, is the sheep. He's the sheep. And you know, when I think about it, at this time in David's life, when he's a king, he could have said, you know, the Lord is my king, and I am his 
subject at this stage of his life. But instead, he, he humbles himself. I love David's heart. He humbles himself. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and I am his sheep. All throughout his life, he'd, he'd experienced God as his shepherd. All throughout his life, he'd had God cared for him. God had taken care of him, provided for him, protected, protected him. And David identified himself in that sentence by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's, he's um, identifying himself. That's quite a good word. That's quite a good, quite a relevant kind of topic for today. People say, I, I identify as such and such. You know, some people identify as a blue bin. You know, I've seen this. Not really, it's just a joke. Um, you can laugh, okay? But I identify as a blue bin today because you can identify as anything. But I love the fact that, okay, we, we're talking in godly terms here. David identified himself as a sheep and therefore had need of a shepherd. And that takes humility. To say that I am in need of someone. I'm no self, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. There's no such thing. If there is, take heed because that person, pride comes before a fall. Yes, I've tried it myself. Before I was saved, I thought I was a self-made person and I got into a load of trouble. No, without the Lord I am nothing. So, John 10 verse 14, look at this scripture. Jesus says these words. He says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says this. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. I know. He says, I, I am the good shepherd. I know. And the, the Amplified says, without any doubt, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me and have that deep personal relationship with me. So sheep are totally reliant on the shepherd. We need our shepherd. And so we're going to look at three Ps of what does a shepherd do. Full of alliteration. Are we okay so far? What does a shepherd do? Number one, he provides. Verses 1 to 3, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other translations say, I lack nothing. We walk by faith and not by sight. You might say, <laughs> have you seen my bank balance lately? It's okay. God is our provider. God is our source. God is my shepherd. I shall not lack. All my needs are met by God. God is my source. You know what? Whether you're working in a, whether you're employed by a company, whether you are on benefits, whether you are, have a pension, or maybe you are very fortunate that mummy and daddy left a huge trust fund for you to spend the rest <laughs> of your life living off it. Whatever the situation, it doesn't matter. God is our source. He is our provider. The Lord is my shepherd. And the next line says, 
He makes me. He makes me. I kind of get riled when I read that a little bit. I don't like people making me do things. (laughs) But the Lord makes me to lie down in green pastures. Why? Because he knows what's best for me. Sheep do not easily lie down. They don't easily lie down. There's certain circumstances when sheep will not lie down. Sheep will not lie down if they are afraid. So the first F word is fear. Sheep do not easily lie down when there's conflict within the flock. So when there's friction, sheep will not lie down. You think, goodness me, do sheep actually have friction? And I think they do. You know, I've seen little lambs come and try and steal mothers, you know, and they try and adopt a new mother, and the sheep gets annoyed with them. But when there's conflict, there's friction. Sheep don't lie down easily when there's flies or parasites that annoy them. It's hard for them to be at rest. So the, the third F, flies. Okay, we're getting there. And the sheep won't lie down when they're hungry or anxious about food. They can't lie down peacefully because they fear of famine. So we've got our four Fs. Can you remember them? Fear. Flies. Famine. Friction. Yes. You see how easy this is? We're learning. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me, he knows what's good for me. He's going to make me lie down where there's sweet grass to feed on, full of nourishment. And those green pastures, they speak of, instead of fear, speaks of security. Instead of friction, harmony, unity amongst the body of Christ. Flies, you just think of Beelzebub, the, you know, the devil, weakens you. But instead of that, he gives us strength. And where there has been famine, God gives us abundance. He gives us abundance. And then he also leads me besides the still waters. He doesn't lead us next to the turbulent waters, because that frightens the sheep. But still waters, they speak of peace and contentment. A place where we can slow down. Slow down oh, and drink him in. It's besides those green pastures and in those still waters that he feeds our hunger and he satisfies, he quenches our thirst. That's what he does in his presence. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Hey. He restores my soul. What a beautiful scripture. He restores my soul. To restore literally means to bring back. To bring back. And figuratively, it means to refresh. To refresh. So he restores, he brings back that which is lost. When our soul starts wandering off a little bit, it's the good shepherd who brings us back from our wanderings. He rescues us. Oh, 
praise God for his goodness. And he refreshes us when we're wearied, when we're tired, when we're anxious, when we're troubled. He, he, he refreshes us. And the first four letters of the word restore, R-E-S-T, he gives us rest. He gives us rest. You know what? I, wanna, I just want to encourage everyone t- today. This week, get alone with the shepherd. Just get alone with him amidst the busyness of life. Just switch off. Switch off the phone, switch off technology, switch off people, and get alone with the shepherd. You, there's, there's no one. We sang at the first song, there's nothing better than you. There's no one better than him. There's no one. Nobody can refresh you other than the Lord. Nobody can restore you. There is nobody but him. Then he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd leads the flock on the right path. You know what? Sheep have a tendency to wonder and get lost. They really are quite thick. But, and they get separated, and then they, they just wander around in circles. But the shepherd will always guide them in the right direction. The, sh- the sheep wouldn't have found those green pastures and the still waters on their own. They relied on the shepherd. The shepherd is the one who provides. And the same way, we need God to guide us down those right paths to get those right opportunities. Not every opportunity is of God, okay? But an opportunity where he gets the glory, that's of God, where he gets the glory for his name's sake. I love the fact that it says he makes me, he leads me, he restores me, and he leads me again. Never does it say in here, he drives me. He doesn't drive us. Listen to this in John chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. It says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. I love that. Hey, the, you know that God, we don't have to wear name badges. He knows, he knows our name. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He doesn't drive them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The Bible says that a stranger's voice we will not follow. We recognize the voice of the shepherd. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about that inner knowing. This is the way of the Lord. This is what God's saying. But he leads them out. He knows us by name, and he leads them out. So the first P is God provides. The shepherd provides. The second one, he protects. It was all going so well until we reached verses 4 and 5, right? But we've got to go through this. What I love here is Psalm 23. Verse 1 is written in the first person. The Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Verses 2 and 3. He makes me. He leads me. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in for his name's sake. Suddenly, we hit the valley of the shadow of death. Suddenly, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. He changes the, 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 the person. This is, becomes the second person. Instead of talking about God, he's talking to God. He's saying, no, Lord, this is where I need you. It's good to talk about him. It's good to praise him. It's good, but then it's time to talk to him face to face. Come on. He says, um, he doesn't say he is uh, his rod and his staff. It says, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Thank you, Lord. You know, there was that song by Bette Midler some years ago, From a Distance. God is watching us. What a biggest load of codswallop. Am I allowed to say that? Is it a, it's not a swear word, eh? Did you jump? Is that a swear word? It's not a swear word. No, it, it's rubbish. God is not... <laughs> just John Morley, just edit the video, the, 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 the thing saying. Uh, but anyway, it's a load of rubbish. God is not at a distance. He is with us. He is with us. When we walk through the, the darkest valley... The valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is the God of the mountaintop and he's the God of the valley. He is with me on the mountain and he's with me in the valley and he doesn't necessarily remove the evil, but he takes away the sting. He takes away that fear of evil. Why? Because I know, God, you are with me in this situation that I find myself. And I love this, that the, 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 the sheep, though I walk through the valley, there's no need to run through the valley. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, confidently knowing God is with me. I don't need to run. God is with me. There's another translation that talks about the valley of the shadow of death. It's called the sunless valley of deep darkness. I mean, it just conjures up such an awful image, doesn't it? The the sunless valley of deep darkness. And when we go through a dark season, and maybe you're not going through one right now, and I'm not prophesying this, but just the way life works. Look at the psalm. He's there in the mountaintops. He's also there in the valley. This is a really good picture of life. Um, we're going to need. We're going to need to know what to do when we're faced with that that dark valley. I know that God is with me. We don't need to rebuke darkness. We don't need to fear darkness. We don't need to uh, shout at the darkness. All we have to do, turn on the light. Turn on the light. Psalm 27. No matter where I go, I hear the psalm every single day. I put on UCB radio. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's what we do when we go through that dark valley. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God is with us. 
God is with us in the midst of the valley, guiding us, protecting us. You know what, and it also goes on and it says that uh, about your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Shepherds use their rods and their staff. There it is, verse 4. Shepherds use the rod and their staff to guard and to direct the sheep. Um, so the rod is used to, to guard the sheep and the, the, the staff is used to protect the sheep from wild other animals or other predators. And what happens is that as the sheep go, through, go, go in their pasture, oftentimes the shepherd would just tap the sheep on their backs and that would be a comfort to them. You know, if you're going through a hard time, there's nothing better than someone putting their arms around you and just tapping you. That's such a comfort, isn't it? Such a reassurance. I love that song we sang, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. What a lovely new song. I love that. But that comforts us. That comforts us. Then he goes on and he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table. You now think of David's life. His life was an unrelenting battle. He knew what it was like to have enemies. You know, from, from when he was young, when he was um, the youngest of all eight brothers, he was despised as a shepherd. He was despised by his older brothers. As a fugitive, he was hunted by King Saul. And as a king, he inherited a divided kingdom. And there were rival tribes filled with resentment and distrust. And as a family man, his family was torn apart. Even his own son um, arranged a rebellion against him, Absalom. So just because you have enemies, just take a note of this, just because you have enemies doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. You're most likely doing something right. We all have enemies at some point in our lives, but it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. You know, the minute you stick your head above a parapet, you become a target. You do become a bit of a target. So, but God says, he gives us this, these, these words of protection and words of comfort that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He said, and I love it that it's in, um, it's, it's in present tense. It doesn't, he doesn't say, you did prepare. You prepare a table now. God has foresight. He knows what's ahead. He prepares a table before us. He has foresight. He knows what's ahead. And he, he prepares this table in front of me. He prepares it in front of me. And it's a table. It's not just a plate of chicken nuggets and a packet of crisps. It's a, it's a, it's a table. It's a, it's a table that speaks of a feast, a banquet. It speaks of bounty and abundance. Don't get distracted. It speaks of a bounty and abundance a banquet. What is this table that he sets before us? The Bible says that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the presence of our enemies, 
God gives us power to overcome. He gives us his word. He's given us his spirit. He, he, he empowers us. He gives us boldness. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he's even given us the ability to love our enemies. <laughs> and pray for them. Do you want to get over your enemy? Pray. Pray for them until it hurts. Pray. Pray for them. Because I tell you what, your heart will change. I'm not telling you to do something I'm not doing myself, okay? <laughs> this is the way it works. This is the way we're going to love our enemies. We're going to love them. You anoint my head with oil. In the midst of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And there's so many different um, understandings about you anoint my head with oil. Um, some of them are, uh, one of them is that the shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep to protect it from parasites. That is one of the, one of the understandings of this. And in biblical times, oil would be used for medicinal purposes. It's almost like a, like a salve. And I was thinking about like the balm of Gilead. You know, it's that, it's that soothing balm. It's that soothing balm when your enemy comes in <laughs> into your head and no, Lord, God arise, God arise, and there's just that soothing balm, just brings about peace. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear that thought down and I'm gonna bless God and I'm gonna pray for my enemies and that's how I'm gonna get victory. But we also know that oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. God has not left us as orphans. At times, most of the time, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on him. That's why, you know, uh, Joyce Meyer preached a message. I need to listen to it again. And, and in it she says, we are anointed for the hard. We are anointed for hard seasons. You know, it's nice it's amazing when we have the presence of God coming into a service and you get goosebumps. And then you get goosebumps on your goosebumps. And then you fall down under the power of God and you shake and you, woo! It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. But what about when I'm in my everyday life? When I'm having to go to work and face, okay, this isn't me because you think now, who am I fighting with someone in the church? No, I'm not. But, you know, generally, I'm not, if I was going to an office and I've got my enemy sitting there, you know, every day, this person is on my back, I need the anointing. That's when I need the anointing, when I've got in the hardship, in the hard times, even in the midst of trials. Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit called our helper? Because we need him. He's our comforter because we need comforting. He's our strengthener because we need strengthening. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. My cup overflows. Do you know what? The Aramaic translation of this verse, that's the language Jesus would speak, is my cup gives joy like pure wine. My cup overflows. My cup gives joy like pure wine. Even in the midst of trials, 
even in the midst of difficulties, valleys, darkness, my cup overflows. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, count it all joy. J-O-Y, joy, joy. Jesus on you. There we go. That's what joy is. Jesus on you. Count it all joy. It's a means of protection. Joy is a good thing. Joy is amazing. Joy will strengthen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He will strengthen us. Don't allow the hardship. Don't allow that difficulty into your heart. The way you keep it out, love, forgiveness, and joy. Some key points there. So we've looked at Psalm 23, the shepherd. He provides, he protects, and finally we're coming into land, he promises. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, most definitely, most definitely, without wavering, most certainly, his goodness and mercy shall, not maybe, might, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not only does the shepherd lead me, make me, restore me, sustain me, protect me, guide me, but his goodness and his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I can trust God. I can take him at his word. All of his promises are yes and amen. That's his promise to me. So his provision, his protection, and his promises. And I think... What a beautiful, that's all I've got to say on it, but what a beautiful life-giving scripture. It's spirit-empowered scripture. This, this was not, it doesn't say a psalm of David for funerals. This is for life. Uh, there's so much life in the scripture. It's full of life. It's full of promise. It's full of passion. It's full of God's love and mercy. Oh, and Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our good shepherd. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother during good times, bad times, on the mountaintop, in the valley. It's not just for funerals. It's for living everyday life. We live in a fallen world, eh? We know that. We live in a fallen world. We have need of a savior. Good, God's goodness, mercy, and favor, his provision, his protection, and his promises are over our lives. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, your, for, your, for who you are, that you are our good shepherd. I thank you, Lord, that we can follow you, that you don't drive us, but you lead us. I thank you, Father God, for all your promises, all your promises in this beautiful psalm that, are for, that can be applied to our lives today and for the rest of our lives. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen and Amen.